This episode, Sacred Music at Sacred Times, the Catholic Underground starts right now. You have indeed hit the play button on the Catholic Underground. We are a podcast cutting through the noise and bringing you the topics that matter into your podcast matron. It's episode number 441 for those of you who are keeping score on your official Catholic Underground scorecard and bingo card. Uh, I'm Father Chris Decker, a priest of the Diocese of Baton Rouge in Louisiana. Joining me, we have Kathleen Lee. Kathleen Lee, she's just herself. She's a teacher. She's a... I am many things. She is many things. Yep. Yeah. You're many a retreat leader. I am here. She That's is here. Where I am. Yeah. Also here, <laughs> presently breathing, Olivia Galino. That's true. I am breathing. I love how Kathleen gets all this list of accolades and I don't get breathing. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. She takes up air. <laughs> Olivia converting oxygen into carbon dioxide so that we all can live. And then up on the Jeff Star One near Earth orbit satellite, spinning its way merrily through space, Jeff Blackwell. Ah, good to be here, Father. Yeah, glad to have you, as always. And in the ball pit, we have Ed Ball. That's really mm-hmm. his last name. He is not spherical. No. He's more and of a of a cylinder. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't go to Ball State, but he wears a shirt that says that. Oh. Uh, Remember no. take a, taking a picture of him outside the city limits of Ball, Louisiana. Mm. Yeah. I didn't even know we had that. Absolutely, outside of Alexandria, right in Uh, the heart of Louisiana. That's right. Hmm. (laughs) So anyway. Yeah, if you're from Ball, I've driven past there. So (laughs) we thought thought that following along with the themes of the the last few episodes, we we talked about sacred time uh, and the calendar of the church year, et cetera. We talked about sacred places, Mm -hmm. whether that's uh, your little prayer nook in your home or the grand cathedral in uh, in Cologne, Germany, yep. or per- perhaps St. Peter's Basilica. Uh, and so we're kind of continuing that theme a little bit, especially during what for us is the season of Lent, right. talking about sacred song, sacred music, yeah. because these are all different expressions of how, speaking of, of converting oxygen into carbon dioxide, mm-hmm. these are all ways in which we as Christians breathe. We breathe in the midst of the way that we take in and experience sacred time. We breathe spiritually the way that we we worship in certain places. But we also um, spiritually breathe in the way that we express our worship in song. Yeah. And so uh, we thought we'd, we'd uh, cover that. So isn't it interesting though mm-hmm. how like you know one of the things to go during this pandemic because we can't be unmasked yeah. um, is you know is not only have we not been able to gather in church but when we have been able to one of the things missing is is like choral music yeah. and choirs right. and mm-hmm. you know even sometimes music at all yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's been something that you know when you go back to mass you're like. Oh man, like there's just mm-hmm. something, something different, something, you know, uh, besides the fact that we're all 40 feet apart and we're all wearing masks and we're hand sanitizing and, you know, all this kinds yeah. of stuff, you know, that's part of the, the liturgy that you're like, huh, mm-hmm. it's just yeah. interesting. It's just, yeah, interesting. it's, it's, uh, it's something that is 
not foreign to us. Right. And when it's missing, we immediately notice it. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. So we thought maybe we'd talk first of all about what it means to be sacred, because right. we've kind of covered that a little bit, uh, at least in shadow. Mm -hmm. yeah. But to talk about specifically what it means to be sacred, because when you start talking about music, especially in church, mm -hmm. all of a sudden you start experiencing a, a hook and loop Velcro effect. You know, yeah. you start kind of rubbing things um, the wrong way. So, mm -hmm. so we thought we'd talk about what it is to call something sacred. Yeah. So, I mean, the word, it comes down to us through, well, it first eventually, um, or it first originates in Hebrew, right? Mm -hmm. Kadosh, um, which just means to be set apart, right? Yeah. So like if you ever, you know, in a theology class or, or in RCIA or mm -hmm. something, you probably encountered that meaning, yeah. um, or maybe even like consecrated. Yeah. Um, but that's, really just what consecrated means. It means it's something that Specifically has been set, set apart, apart for, for a specific certain. purpose, mm -hmm. uh, but that purpose being a holy one. Right. Um, and so when something is, is sacred, it means that it has been dedicated for a use that is only to be, um, uh, that it's only for God, yeah, right? Like right. this is this is a holy thing, mm -hmm. not holy in by virtue of what it is, yeah, right, but by virtue of what it does or what it will do, yeah, right. And so, so like think of the nation of Israel, right? So like in the Old Testament, they are they are kadosh, right? They are set of apart. all the nations. Of they are the nations. set apart, right. mm -hmm. and it's not hmm, it is not because they themselves are like the bee's knees, they are holy, mm -hmm. right? They mess up constantly. Yeah. It's really annoying and nauseating. Mm -hmm. But they to are them. set apart, <laughs> yes, yeah. and to us who like study them and read them and love mm -hmm. them and find and identify ourselves with them. That's right, exactly. I am very much yes. Israel. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but you look at them and they are still kadosh. They are still set apart for God because it is through them mm -hmm. that the rest of the world is consecrated yeah. to God, yeah. right? They are like the holy vessels that God makes his covenant, that that, that God um, will consecrate the rest of the world, that God will make a, of a, a sacrament of the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. right? It's interesting that there's this notion, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a, um, of a cliche, but that those whom God chooses he qualifies for that which he has chosen them, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and he says that even in the Old Testament, he says, you know, you will be my people and I will be your God. I'm going to make of you uh, a nation, a kingdom of priests. Yeah. I'm going to make of you those who others will look to and say, this is this is where we should go. Yeah. Because these are the people the Lord has chosen. Yeah. yeah. Well, even in in um, when God's making His covenant with David, right? Mm -hmm. I think Second Samuel seven, um, David goes to to God, right? Um, and he recognizes, you know, the Ark of the Covenant is is in the city, mm -hmm. and he sees, you know, that he's in this grand palace, but that the Ark of the Covenant is just in, in this, a tent, in a tent, in this meager dwelling that it's been in for, you yeah. know, decades now. And he says to God in prayer, you know, I want to build you a, a house, mm -hmm. right? A bet. I'm living and in a house of cedar and you dwell in a tent. Exactly. I want to make a home for you. Exactly. And God kind of one ups him or levels up his request. Oh, you and will says, build a house for me? Yeah. And he yeah. says, I'm going to build a house out of you. Out of you. And yeah. what he means mm -hmm. there is like, like, a, like a royal house, a mm -hmm. dynasty, a mm -hmm. lineage. Mm -hmm. And that's what God does, right? He, he takes our offerings, our meager gifts and he just explodes them. He, he makes them so much more than we ever could mm -hmm. because of this, this notion, what we're talking about, of that things can be set apart for, for what, um, for divine purposes, right? right? Um, 
if only we will give them over to God, right? That's the key part. If we set things apart because we want to like preserve them, hoard them for our own Mm -hmm. use. Or amplify ourselves for our own benefit. Right. Well, then that's selfishness. That's navel gazing. And that gets them in more trouble than they ever imagined possible, right? Mm -hmm. Old Testament, New Testament, modern day, every day. Yep. You see that myriad examples. But when we set things apart and we give them over to God, we say, this is your territory. Mm-hmm. Do with it what you want. Mm-hmm. Then God can truly enter in and work. And that's when you have this amazing transformation. That's when you have the literal Eucharist. Yeah. That's yeah. when that kind of transubstantiation can occur. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, when he can take something that is, that is simple, us, right? Yeah. We, he, we are fragile creatures, and yet he can do supernatural things in us and through us. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, that's proven in Christ, his son, who, though God, takes on flesh, yeah. you know, for our sake. What a beautiful thing. So when we talk about sacred, that is the, uh, the, the place that we're coming from. And we certainly uh, talk about uh, the, the use of, of sacred music. It doesn't just come out of nowhere, yeah. but it's actually thousands of years old. So if you think about, uh, certainly historically speaking, all of the, the many different cultures that worshipped pagan gods, they had their own musical traditions, you know, mm-hmm. and those, some of those things still kind of uh, hang out today. We can, mm-hmm. um, we can arche- um, archaeologically uh, find those. But within the history of the people of Israel, there is certainly preserved within the scriptures this notion of sacred song. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's all written down, but like if you, if you look at um, th- any of the Psalms of David, then you certainly understand that because they're written poetically, they were they were meant and they were at some at one point in David's own time set to music. Yeah, yeah. They even wonder. Biblical scholars wonder if like some of the the notes in the margins, like if you look at a, a Bible in in the margins, it might have like in italics the word like Selah, Kof, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. or yeah, Kof or something like that. It, they wonder like if some of those words were like musical notations or mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. A, an indication, a yeah, an indication to someone who was performing this or or, mm-hmm. or you know singing yeah. this or playing mm-hmm. the accompanying or something like that, yeah. an indication to them about something that they were they ought to do. Yeah, right. because yeah. Selah means to like to pause. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, like a, like a, like a holy pause. I have a friend who named her daughter that. Oh yeah, that wait, um, beautiful. The, uh, the Oberdorf, yeah. yeah, they're in. Um, yes, yes, but I'll, uh, like, I'll be over here. It was a beautiful <laughs> thing she was telling me about, it, and she was like, "Yeah, in the Psalms there is this word Selah, and it's just it means to, to pause." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, that's so beautiful! Like it's um, you know a beautiful reminder as you're reading through Scripture, and especially the Psalms, to to stop. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think oftentimes me, I you know." I'll read through scripture and I'm like, right. Mm -hmm. You get down to the end. I'm like, I have no idea what just happened, Mm -hmm. but that there was a rhythm, right? That there's a rhythm to, to the way that this should be read. Right. And and that's preserved. If you've ever been to a synagogue service, uh, in, in, um, for our Jewish brothers and sisters, if Mm -hmm. you've ever been to the synagogue, um, then you'll see some of those, those Psalm, uh, settings, uh, and I would presume that some of them are indeed, if not thousands, hundreds of years old. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a really a, a beautiful sense, uh, as we'll talk about Gregorian chant in a little while, that even some of those psalm tones that we use today are themselves based on some of the ancient tones that would have been used to chant the psalms uh, originally. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking of, of one of the psalms, Psalm 95, that is very much concerned. So before you even get to the hundredth psalm, within the first 95 psalms, there are, there are several 
uh, notions of, of singing. And so mm-hmm. Psalm 95 is, Come, let us sing joyfully to the Lord, cry out to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with a song of praise, joyfully sing out our psalms. For the Lord is the great God, the great King over all gods, whose hands hold the depths of the earth, who owns the tops of the mountains, the sea and the dry land belong to God who made them, formed them by hand. So even in the midst of, um, of, of the psalms, as you move towards Psalm 100, which is actually the psalm in a procession, right? Something that's yeah. being sung in a procession to the temple. This notion of singing to the Lord is, is very near and dear, not only to the heart of Israel, but also to us. We who kind of come in the, in, in the spiritual progeny mm-hmm. of, of Israel. Yeah, we also note that uh, as we as we come into um, through the centuries, that the church the church has always understood that very important and real role of preserving psalmody. Just mm-hmm. as David, uh, King David in the Old Testament, realized that we need some form of way to cry out to God um, as we go to worship Him in the temple. Uh, this has also been part of of Christian life as well. We know that the apostles would be found in the temple several times daily, um, reciting the Psalms along mm. with the people. There's really, that's something to meditate upon if, if you haven't, is, is that the Psalms that we say, the 150 that we've got, right? That was being chanted by Peter, by Andrew, by all of the apostles at the times that they went to pray. And I'll do you one more. Mm. The Psalms of the church today that are officially prayed in the Liturgy of the Hours we're supposed to pray them at the hours that they would have been praying them um, mm-hmm. in, in the temple. And so the church even preserves that today. Yeah. It's like you're singing in an unbroken line with the apostles, who are, by the way, still singing that yeah. in heaven. I mean, what I love about the Psalms, too, is like, uh, and I, I, I tell this to my girls whenever we talk about prayer, like you really can't do better when you're looking to find a kind of like refreshment for your for your own prayer than to like turn to the psalms because it's It's basically yeah every human experience emotion Uh that you could ever think to Mm -hmm. experience or undergo is is there but it's literally god saying like this is what i want you to say to me yeah yeah and it's not all like happy like Mm -hmm. God, I love you so much. Thank you. It's like, I want you to yell at me and Mm -hmm. these are the words. Mm -hmm. Or like, you're really feeling angry right now at that person? Say this. It's always interesting because if you think about it, the Psalms really are kind of an arc for us. You know, the the Lord gave Noah the specifications for the ark. Mm. This is how you will you will preserve your life yeah. and the ones who believe in me. He yeah. gave his specifications on the building of the ark of the covenant. Mm-hmm. This is how this is what I want built yeah. so that so that you can be sure that I will come and be in your midst. Mm-hmm. And the psalms for us are kind of like an ark as well. Um, if you mm-hmm. lack the ability to pray, mm-hmm. I myself will give you the words to pray. Yeah. yeah. You know, because I'll admit there are times where I lack the ability to pray. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that can come to my lips is one of the antiphons that I pray. Yeah, you know, yeah. Friday night prayer ends with <laughs> all of my friends you have taken away. Yeah. My one companion is darkness. 
what a strange yeah. lamentation, uh, lamentable psalm to end yeah. on on Friday night, kind of the psalm of a Good Friday. Mm-hmm. But but sometimes it is those sometimes those psalms in in loneliness, mm-hmm. the Lord even gives us those. Yeah. Right. Well, I love what you're. It's like it gives you permission. Yeah. Like you know, the, we do, and and in music, there's a lot of time. You know, we'll talk about this later about you know the emotion that it brings up. Mm-hmm. You know, but when you're looking at the psalms, there is that you know oh you know. I praise you, God, blah, blah, blah. One of my favorite ones is Psalm 130, and it says, out of the depths I cry for you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, sometimes I'm just like, all right, Lord, you kind of ticked me off. Like, I'm kind of yeah. upset. I'm not talking to you, but I don't want to be too mad because then you're going to give me, then I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is saying, look, like, I mean, like, from the highest of highs to the lowest out of my own, out of the depths, I'm crying yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. You know, and it gives you permission to, you know, like you were saying, Olivia, like, it gives you permission to say, this, like, you know, human emotion, God, yeah. mm-hmm. and you know how I can best express myself. Yep. Yeah. And so here you are giving me permission to sing your praises when things are awesome yeah. and c- cry out to you with everything that I am mm-hmm. when things are not, you know. Yeah. And ultimately that's Psalm 27, right? Uh, of you, my heart is spoken. Seek his face. Yeah. It is your face, O Lord, I seek. That's what we truly want. We want to see the face of God. And seeking the face of God doesn't just happen whenever we are we are in a good place yeah seeking the face of God is most especially happening where we're in a place of desolation yeah yeah and I think that's also where we we uh, talk a little bit about um, about the power of music within our worship uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that but first we should remind you that we are the Catholic underground <laughs> You're listening to the Catholic Underground. We are a, a podcast that attempts to come on the air to give you the things that matter to talk about, to pray about, and to live too. I'm Father Chris, joined by Kathleen and Olivia, and we've got Jeff up on the Jeff Star One. I saw you uh, fiddling with some knobs up there, Jeff. That's a it's a good thing. I mean, you know, Jeff Star One always under construction. And then Ed as well. Uh, we're online all the time at catholicunderground.tv, and we are talking this week about uh, sacred music. And we were talking, really, we just kind of dove into the Psalms. Uh, Maria in the chat room says, I tell my religious ed classes that the Psalms are love songs to God. That's exactly yeah. right. Mm-hmm. The Lord loves us, that he gives us the words to love him back. Mm-hmm. You know, And it's only in our pride that say, I don't need God to tell me what right. words I'm going to use to pray to mm-hmm. him. Oh, but we yeah. do. Surprise. Because even your <laughs> ability to use language is spoiler alert a gift of god yeah you know and mm-hmm. sometimes those words are like the words of jesus from the cross my god my god why have you forsaken me right and that's a very real it's a and very that's real word yeah a-okay mm-hmm. yep so we talk about um as we talk about music we also especially as we kind of come down through the centuries listen to what the church has spoken about the appropriateness mm-hmm. of music because especially when we start talking about liturgical worship not all music at all times is appropriate, you know? Um, The Second Vatican Council in its document, Musicum Sacrum, said, by sacred music, it's understood that which being created for the celebration of divine worship is endowed with a certain holy sincerity of form. Mm. A a holy sincerity of form. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important, like, I think it's important to say that this is not a, this is what we, what one priest or priests prefer right right because right. i get not, that all the time it's not a preference and i know like you know i i led a youth 
a youth music ministry for mass um, for several years. And it was something that I wrestled with because mm-hmm. there were, you know, I had to be taught a lot of lessons about what was appropriate and what wasn't. And it was, you know, a lot of times I mistook it for like, oh, well, that priest just doesn't like that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, contemporary worship and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's what is appropriate for right. the setting that you're in. And so as we go forward and we're talking about that, I know a lot of people mm-hmm. um, kind of feel that way. If, if, you know, the, 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 the church wants, especially when it comes to music for, for youth, you know, youth choirs and things mm-hmm. like that. The youth, you know, the youth scare the church. <laughs> the yeah. church is like, we don't want that because yeah. it's too loud and crazy. And but that's not that's not even the case. No, and, and there's and, a proper understanding. And, of it. and if I can go ahead and and go out on a limb here, um, a number of people, usually of a certain age, will mm-hmm. say, "Father, if you want the young people back, yeah. you need to give them the rock music." Mm. To which I will say, "Where is it working? Yeah, where?" There may be a few outliers, but if that's the case, where is it working? Yeah. I mean, please tell me because young people, uh, they are hardwired for a holy sincerity of form. Uh-huh. That's the Second Vatican Council's words. Yeah. And so whenever we're doing something that, that sometimes um, causes our worship within the liturgy, to somehow disconnect mm-hmm. because some of the contemporary stuff that we're using doesn't quite fit lockstep with the solemnity or the beauty that the liturgy is called to that calls us out of this world, then it's it's not about, we're not talking about style here. We're talking about something even deeper, yeah. holy sincerity of form. And this is what the church also says in her teaching, the Second Vatican Council, the following come under the title of sacred music. They say, Gregorian chant, Sacred polyphony in its various forms, both ancient and modern, sacred music for the organ and other approved instruments, and sacred popular music, be it liturgical or simply religious. So you see, within the wisdom of the church, mm-hmm. there is a notion for what it would call simply religious popular music, yeah. but, it's, but it notes it in, um, in a gradation, right, mm-hmm. from, from what, is, what is most appropriate in liturgy mm-hmm. to something that may not be suitable for it. And, and so that, I think, you know, we, we ought not to pander to our congregations, but rather we should bring them up higher, yeah. right? Because there are higher forms oh, yeah. of liturgical music. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, what, and, and, and having directed a youth music ministry, I can tell you, like, the majority of people who were at our masses were 50 years and older. Yeah. Like, we didn't have, we, they weren't, kids weren't flocking because they were like, why and we're talking about being set apart mm-hmm. why would we go to mass and experience the same thing that we're experiencing on our ipads at home mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. secular music yeah why yeah my cousin tom says too many churches today feel more like you're walking into a nightclub rather than a place of worship and yeah. i think that's the thing what's supposed to happen whenever we go to church be it a catholic church or be it uh, a baptist um church you know on sunday is we're supposed to be being drawn up yeah into the worship of God. Yeah. And it's not supposed to be that we're trying to like coax God down to us. We're going to play our music, right. God. Mm-hmm. And if you find favor with that, then then you right. can be. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. I am always, especially in the liturgical worship of my body, huh, with my voice, mm-hmm. I am always going up to you. That's yeah. Psalm 100, by the way. Let us go up to Jerusalem, go up to the Lord. Yeah. Well, and it echoes like what the mass really is, right? The mass mm-hmm. is 
it's heaven touching down to earth yeah. and it's the the heavenly liturgy mm-hmm. that there's not there's not two liturgies taking place right. it's, we talked about this when we talked about uh like the parousia like like the, the it's it's the one heavenly liturgy happening here and now right so mm-hmm. it's the parousia the second coming but just happening on the altar. That's right. And so we're, we're kind of blending where if you want a Star Trek, we're phase shifting into the actual moment where where we are experiencing the, the liturgy of the angels. Yeah. yeah. That's what's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And so if that is actually, you know, uh, if that's if if that becomes a rock concert, brothers and sisters, the heavenly liturgy is so much more. Yeah. Yeah. Than a rock concert, you know. And Revelation yeah. even tells us that, yeah. like, Revelation—it's uh, more than just like you know, the sky turning red and mountains like cracking into small pebbles and all this mm. stuff. Um, that's just Revelation six. But <laughs> like, if you look in the um, like later parts of Revelation, it'll tell you like what is happening in that heavenly liturgy. And it's like, yes, you have some stringed instruments, you know, whether they're like lyres or more yeah. like guitars, yeah. I'm not really sure, but it's like the, the heavenly voices of the angels. There's yeah. like the smoke, like the heavy smoke of the incense, which is like the, the prayers of the saints mm-hmm. in God's heavenly throne room. Right. So there's music, but it's largely like the, the voices of the angels. Yeah. Right. Again, I mean, Tom in the chat says worship music should stir us spiritually and not merely emotionally. Yeah. And I think that's that's really when we talk about the, the holy sincerity of form mm-hmm. within music is that if we're just being stirred emotionally, that's a component of prayer, but it is not the only component of prayer. Yeah. And, and whenever we sing to God, whenever we praise him, especially in the context of the mass or um, an official prayer of the church, an official liturgy of the church, then, then it is a crying out from our soul, and that's deeper than emotion. Yeah. Yeah. It has to be. It has to be. Um, and so whenever we talk about the appropriateness of music in certain settings, uh, we, we talk about the, the pride of place, that things like Gregorian chant, that the organ have. And, and this isn't just uh, by happenstance that the church says this, but it's really time-tested, you know? Yeah. Even even in, in ancient Israel, the notion of these of these um, of these pipe instruments, mm-hmm. right, is is something that is well known and, and yeah. well documented. I've always wanted a sack butt. Excuse me. Yeah, it's an instrument. Oh. Please define your term. Okay. <laughs> Okie dokie. <laughs> That's awesome. Like that. No, it's true. Face. I mean, it's yeah. I know it's true. We just can't say it with a straight oh, face. Oh, I see. Well, anyway. he can. Yeah, no, it's that. It's actually that's actually it, it's a it's like a um a trombone, mm-hmm. you know. We I guess we'd call it that. Yeah, it's a kind gotcha. of trombone from the Renaissance era. But anyway, oh, of course. Yeah, uh, sorry everybody. Uh, <laughs> but but at, at any rate, uh, you know, whenever we talk about the appropriateness of of music, we try to emulate, especially in our official worship services. Um, the the music that we we hope to hear, and we'll talk a little bit about that on the other side of the break too. Is that you, you have um, Gregorian chant? Well, where does it come from? Why is it there, and and what is its place? And why is it that even our secular society, whenever they hear something like Gregorian chant, immediately recognize that it is something that is <gasps> set apart? Yeah, you know, because c- it is. Um, but that's that's the thing. So uh, I feel like it's important for me to say before we go to break too. Again, this is not just like Father Chris's opinion on things. Yeah. No, this is this is Mother Church attempting to guide us, not just into an emotional experience of God, because eventually that that gives way, that fails, yeah. that that does not satisfy. 
but the church gives us uh, a desire to enter into a deeper relationship with the Lord, and we do that through music. So there's more to come. You'll hear more from us and certainly more from Kathleen on the other side of the break. (laughs) We're the Catholic Underground. Stay right there. We'll be right back. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus, O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. That music that you hear is our music. (laughs) It's the Catholic Underground. I am Father Chris Decker, joined by Kathleen Lee, the inimitable Olivia Galino. And Jeff Blackwell up in space. You doing yes. okay up there, Jeff? Yeah, taking up a lot of space. <laughs> oh, you know. Oh, you know. In it's space, funny to go around. In space, no one can hear you diet. That's, That's what they true. always say. Ooh, you know? I like yeah, that. Yeah. I'm going to write that down. There you go. Yeah, just yeah. Make, make sure you write it in Sanskrit because who knows? I was thinking about that it. comic font that you don't Don't. Like, oh. <laughs> Never oh. mind. Sans? Uh, yeah, we, we need to talk about sacred Sing fonts again. for an entire episode. <laughs> That's right. Thing? Illuminated yeah. text. Yeah. yeah. And, then, uh, and then, of course, Ed is uh, switching the video for us. So we're talking about sacred music um, this episode and sacred song. In fact, um, Adam is, uh, is, is one of the music ministry ministers in his parish. And he says, this is my motto for the music ministry at my parish. The fourth chapter of the document of Sacrosanctum Concilium, the Second Vatican Council stressed the importance of sacred music as, quote, that treasure of inestimable value unquote, forming a, quote, necessary and integral part of the solemn liturgy. He says, in brief, brief, sacred music must possess holy, beautiful, and universal qualities. And from from that kind of a a launch pad, we can talk about uh, those those universal qualities that music has. And uh, we'll talk about St. Gregory the Great in a little bit, but uh, but St. Gregory the Great was, of course, partially great, because the the use of the psalms within the church was in decline, yeah. and um, you'll often see him, as you will a little bit later in the show, with with a, a Holy Spirit kind of hovering somewhere around his ear, and so he, just like King David, uh, set the psalms again to tones, to musical tones, which then spread throughout the entire church that we still are called to use today, because we realize that whenever we go to mass. We aren't just simply kind of making it up every time as we go along, but we are entering into something that is much bigger than ourselves, something that is universal in quality, right? Mm -hmm. Name Catholic means universal, and one of those universal ways that we express that is by this this unity in song. You know, it's funny. I was just thinking about this. Um, I was, you know, working a, a youth conference where we didn't have any projector. Mm-hmm. And so, um, oh no, yeah, what? <laughs> so there were no lyrics projected, mm-hmm. and so all day the you know the worship team is playing these phenomenal songs, and mm-hmm. they're beautiful like worship songs, 
they're beautiful. And we could talk about that. Like there, you know, in all of this conversation, this is not to poo poo on worship songs. No, I mean, I have many, many compact discs. Yeah. Wait, oh, Spotify. I mean, Spotify. <laughs> Many compact discs. Wow. Period. Wow. Yeah. Of, of, uh, of contemporary right. um, Christian music. Yeah. And they were mm-hmm. beautiful. And like, I am, I'm looking at the words and I know the words and I'm, you know, I'm like, gosh, this is just such a good song. Mm-hmm. Nobody's singing. Mm-hmm. We, we pull out, um, O Salutaris, everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody. The O Salutaris, of course, is the hymn that is traditionally sung at the beginning of Eucharistic adoration. Yeah. So, and it's at a the beginning ch- of a holy a, hour. It's, so, you know, it's a chant. Like it's, yeah. it, you it know, is, it is ye old chant. It's, it's very beautiful. Old. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I'm just Thomas putting Aquinas. that together, you know, as I'm looking, as I'm thinking about, you know, this, the difference, because, you know, a projector can make or break a worship band, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it really can, but there's a quotable, but you know, you pull out, um, you pull out these, these sacred chants that mm-hmm. people know mm-hmm. and it's, you know, they're easy to sing along to there. You know, you may not even know what the words mean, yeah, but you know how they go. That's mm-hmm. right. And there's something about that too, that, uh, you know, the, the inspired notion of Gregorian chant it's it's not because Gregory was this 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 fantastic musician, but because one of the things that he kind of cracked open that had perhaps been forgotten is that there are two types of music that we can encounter, mm-hmm. right? Most music that we that we hear is is um, according to a rhythm that is based upon the human heartbeat. Yeah. So if you think about every uh, time signature, three four four four. You know, whether it's a waltz or whether it's in common time, it's based upon the human heartbeat mm. in one form or another. It's a variation on that, right? Yeah. But whenever we talk about Gregorian chant, the thing that makes it sound so other is that it is based upon its own sense of rhythm. Yeah. It is, it is an angelic, if you will, an angelic rhythm um, because, I mean, it, it is. It's, it's sing-songy, and right. it doesn't have exactly a rhythm that we would recognize. It's not based upon the human heart. Right. Mm-hmm. It's based upon something that's higher, right? It's based upon the one whose heart beats always, right? Yeah. With love for us. And so whenever we, we talk about Gregorian chant and those those kind of holy pride of place yeah. in, in music, that's why chant, I think, speaks to our heart. And, and even somebody who perhaps isn't Catholic can recognize something um, in, in Gregorian chant because... Not just because it's Latin and, you know, who sings that anymore, that kind yeah. of thing, but because it's a different rhythm. It calls us out of ourselves. It calls, yeah. us, out, it calls us out of our own heartbeat, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and Tom and Maria are correct. Yeah. Whenever you sing, you pr- actually, he who sings well prays twice is what St. Augustine said. So, oh, that's sad. <laughs> but he, but even still, there, even Saint Augustine would note note that there is an excellence that we're called right. to whenever we sing. And so, again, even if you can't sing, just about everybody can chant. Yeah. Did you know that? That even if you can't sing, just about everybody can chant. That seems legit. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I mean, even I don't know. I've been at retreats and stuff where, like, for liturgy the hours. Like they'll teach you a very simple chant. Mm-hmm. Like it's basically two tones. Yeah. We call and it rectitone. It's the yeah. same, yeah. basically the same note. And I mean, it, you know, you go to mass and you figure out very quickly singing the hymns who mm-hmm. can and cannot sing. Yeah, yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. But then Glitter to the Hours comes and it sounds 
you know, yeah. like something fit for the Vatican or yeah, like true. the Pantheon, like something just beautifully mm-hmm. choral, mm-hmm. even though it's not yeah. right. Because there's like the human voice is made to do that. Yeah. Right. Just that simple kind We're of We're made to talk in tone because yeah. that's what we do. You know, yeah. some some folks like yours truly uh, has a very kind of musical way that we talk. Mm-hmm. But we all do if you think about it. Yeah. You know? and, and I always go back to. Uh, to the timeless classic, My Fair Lady. You know, mm-hmm. Rex Harrison couldn't sing. Mm-hmm. Yet you'd never know it because whenever he he, um, he does the musical bits, he's basically chanting. He's talking in tone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things that in, in one of his biographies, he was talking about, like, I can't sing worth a darn, but I learned that I could talk in tone. And I've, I, in fact, Father Ryan Humphreys, our very own uh, mm-hmm. bureau chief, chief of Northern Louisiana. Yes, indeed. Uh, he he can't sing. I, Father Father will will back me up on this. He can't sing, but he can chant. Mm. And and once he found somebody that was willing to teach him to chant, he learned that he too could talk in tone. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. I think that's an important thing too, as well, is that is that we're all like like Tom in the chat called to make a joyful noise to the Lord. But part of learning how to sing also means learning how to listen to yeah. Yeah. Um, learning what what types of music are appropriate yeah. for me and what types of music move me past my emotions and into a place of contemplation. Because yeah. that's ultimately what music's supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. Supposed to lead us there. Well, and I think that's maybe like part of the, um, I don't know, like the discernment that maybe mm-hmm. is the right word of music sure. is like, um, if if a piece of music or a song is keeping you in this particular moment yeah. in this particular place, it's probably not doing its job. If it's keeping mm-hmm. you in this in particular emotion, even. Mm-hmm. But if a piece of music is elevating you, if it's taking you to some place that's transcendent, and not just like in like a you know to some kind of high or whatever, but like if it's if it's helping you to a place of prayer, mm-hmm. if it's even like you know maybe helping you to, to, um, experience like, um, I don't know, a deeper sense of like maybe a painful place in your past that you don't really want to go to, or just like a deeper experience of God's love. That's Mm -hmm. been hard to experience. Those are things that are like, I would say more legitimate. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, it means that the music itself is a vehicle for, for a deeper dive into where the Lord wants you. I know I've been to, to praise and worship meetings, um, where, um, I've stopped singing because the Lord has delivered me to a place and he wants me to dwell there with him for a little while. And, and sometimes that's a place of, of, of deep comfort of, of kind of letting the Lord love on you, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes, and it's been my experience, it's, it's been a place where the Lord has allowed me to revisit something that, that, um, was difficult in my life or a place of sadness. Yeah. The Lord sometimes leads us through music to a place where he wishes for us to hang upon the cross with his son. Yeah. You know, that's a very real place yeah. as well. Yeah. And I think sometimes in contemporary worship, we can we can begin to kind of think that music is only supposed to make me feel comfortable. Yeah. But if you if you listen to what's supposed to be sung, like at Good Friday, as you're going forward to to um, venerate the cross, the reproaches where where from the cross our lord using the voice of the psalms is basically indicting us yeah yeah for many many sunday or many sabbaths i came and i taught you in the temple and yet you still turned aside from me what have i done to you answer me mm-hmm. 
you know, that's not supposed to make us feel comfortable as we're going to the cross. Yeah. It's actually supposed to evoke a place of meeting yeah. where we can say, oh, Lord, I have been the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have been the one that caused this yeah. for, for you. And, and I'm willing to pour myself out to you um, so that you would have me. You yeah. know, that that's a prayer. That's where music can can catapult us into a place uh, where the Lord dwells. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important to remember that like music is, it's a form of art, right? And art is an expression of beauty. Beauty is one of the transcendentals, right? Mm -hmm. Truth, goodness, beauty, and unity. And those are kind of encapsulations of like the divine essence. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like, like beauty is, it's it's like passion right it's like fervor and like you get caught up in an experience of beauty like it's why you can get lost in like a really good album or you can get lost in like a painting you can get lost in the beauty of another person you know like that moment when you like see someone and it's just like Mm -hmm. the wind is suddenly rushing their hair and you lose track of time and space but that's not all that there is to an experience of beauty or of love, right? right? Because right. there's also, that's eros, right? But there's also agape, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And agape is what like purifies our eros. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, the way that I think about it is like, if music like stays in eros, well then that's where we just stay in the emotion. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the purification is like what you're talking about, mm-hmm. like the agape. So it is that conviction, yeah. right? Because agape is the love that makes demands, mm-hmm. right? It's the love that makes sacrifices. Even if it's the, the demand is like, did you do enough? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sit here with me in this moment of grief. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's going to be the hard stuff, right? Yeah. That's going to be the, the, the moments that we want to look away or that we want to run away. Right. Right. And that's the purification. It's painful. It is. Right. But that's, that's when like the, the passion becomes love. Right. And that is then what makes us desire to lay down our life. Mm. Yeah. Right. That's because, I mean, if you think about it, right, this is, this is the pornographic culture in which we live. If we remain only in the erotic, yeah. mm-hmm. then we never arrive at the unitive and the communitive forms of love. Yeah. And we can even do that with our music is we can just have something. I mean, when we use erotic in, in, the, in the most general sense, right, yeah. where we can where we can stay only in the visceral, only yeah. in what we can feel or, mm-hmm. or, or apprehend with our senses and never come to to the purgative. Yeah. part of that where where we are purified in our intentions and therefore never come to the unitive parts that music it, it's it's very nature is supposed to bring out of us yeah. especially if it's sacred music yeah. sacred music should bring us through eros through the purgative and into the unitive yeah and it can do that every time we come to mass or every time you listen to chant or i dare say every time we listen to uh, contemporary christian music that has as its aim delivering us into the place where God dwells. Yeah. Um, and, and I should I should say that not all Christian music wants to do that yeah. today. You have to discern well the music you listen to. Yeah. Um, and especially, you know, in, in thinking with the mind and heart of a church, there are some songs that I've actually had to ask my worship teams and sometimes even choirs to not sing or to amend mm-hmm. because it does not properly... Um, express what we as Christians believe right. and certainly not as Catholics yeah. believe, you know? Yeah. yeah. I was having a conversation with some, some young people this weekend and they were, they had formed a music ministry um, and they were playing for this conference and we were talking about music and uh, you know, we we're talking about some of, some of the worship songs that I have a great friend, uh, my friend, Adam Trufant, 
who's a musician who you know I've, I've played in many many music ministries with him and there are, are a couple of songs that he um you know will, will change the words to mm-hmm. um because he's like yeah that's not it's not accurate it's not, yeah. Yeah. yeah there's one um that talks about uh, i'm laying down all my religion mm-hmm. and it was like okay you know yeah, like it's, if it's, we lay down our religion then we actually don't have worship yeah, you know and, and <laughs> you it was know? great because he he changed it to i'm laying down all my inhibitions and oh, i was like that I never would have thought of. That's but, you a know, good equivocal yeah, rhyme. Yeah, right? and there's yeah. another. You know, there's another one. For example, that says, um, "Like you, f- you fill me with your grace, or you know, you cover me with grace." And we change it to you f- fill me with your grace. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, just this idea of like even even that to those who are music ministers, yeah. like we need to be aware of what it is that we are. And even if it's so small, if you know the difference, then mm-hmm. then change it, yeah. you know. And, no, yeah. and nobody ever said you you can't, you know. Yeah. And and when people ask, like, hey, I heard it this way, that's a great opportunity to be like, yeah, well, <laughs> this is, you know. Yeah. But this is what we believe as Catholics, mm-hmm. you know. And that's why we we changed it because it's because it is true. It, you know, it may be something that no one is ever going to notice, but you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, what and you say and what you sing is and is because important. singing is praying twice. Right. Whenever, whenever we imbibe the things mm-hmm. that we sing and because they have the ability to affect our emotions and we'll come back to them. I mean, song, there's a reason like you learn your multiplications tables with a song. There's a reason that I learned the countries of the world with a song, you know, and I can still sing it to this day because mm-hmm. if I've heard something once, I can't reproduce it. But, uh, but there's a reason for all this. It's because it hits our emotions first yeah. and it ties directly to our memory. And so if we learn something incorrectly, uh, something catechetical, right? Right. Something that's a a core belief, if we learn it incorrectly, we'll bring it back up. And and we believe as we live Mm -hmm. and we live Mm -hmm. as we believe. Um, The the law of prayer is the law of worship, Mm -hmm. is the law of life, right? And so that's why it's important to get words right and and, and that sort of thing, too. Um, these things are very good. Oh, some folks are telling us uh, some of their their, their favorite Woo-hoo. musicians. Uh, Adam says the Dominican Sisters of Mary um, have a beautiful and spiritual album called Mater Eucharistia. Oh, the yeah. Dominican Sisters of Mary are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hillbilly Thomists are really oh, yeah, good too. Good. If you want uh, Dominicans with banjos, cool. that's, there they are. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so those are just a few. Um, let's see. I'm trying to scroll through here. Yep. Also, the Cistercians of some place I can't pronounce in Austria, possibly. Oh yes, um, yes. Uh, they're I have, very. I'd good. have to look it up because I, I don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They they do they have a, a few different albums with some chant and um, I'll like play different types of music um on days um certain days of like when my students are praying sure. um like personal prayer um only certain days though but um sometimes i'll play chant and um that's one of the, the ones i'll gravitate towards because yeah. it's very like yeah prayerful. i found that that, that oh, that's a heiligen cruise yeah that mm-hmm. that place mm-hmm. we'll try yeah. to remember to put these in the show notes yeah <laughs> because that's unpronounceable <laughs> and unspellable yeah i one time you know I, we were talking about gregorian chant i played some for my eighth graders and i was surprised the next day they were like hey can you put on some of that um yeah ah, and i was like gregorian chant they were like yeah oh yeah and so i put it on while they worked and they were like i mean it was it was almost like a like a 
they yeah, they dig it they were just like yeah. mm, and it calmed them and it was like okay mm, and they like yeah. the you know yeah. they like the lauren daigle and they like yeah. the you know the stuff that they recognize but they always without fail will be like what was that what was that ghost music yeah, <laughs> yeah. like i literally ghost had, music. i literally <laughs> had a girl ask me that one time what was that ghost music and i was like well it's not ghost music but mm. it, it's called chant um <laughs> but here's what it is and the like people who sang it might <laughs> Probably be dead, but they're not ghosts. Yeah, but <laughs> probably dead, but not ghosts. Yeah. But no, but they're, they're, they're curious about it. Yeah. yeah, and they're I mean, like I love I love when you can when you can like that whole idea ever ancient ever new like mm-hmm. it's ancient. Yeah, <laughs> stuff is yeah. old school. Oh yeah, but the but young people gravitate towards it why because it's set apart it's different mm-hmm. you know but then, sure. but then in the same vein there are musicians and we've spoken about them on the show um you know throughout the years there are musicians who are um who are catholic musicians now the caveat is is that a lot of um artists who start as um Catholic artists and they put out phenomenal stuff where you're mm-hmm. like, duh, dang, I didn't even know he could rhyme that. Like that transubstantiation, he put that in a song. Mm-hmm. Yep. Here's, here's yep. looking at you, Matt Mar. <laughs> but like, oftentimes because of um, because of their audience, uh, they they become more generally Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have a lot of of worship artists who are putting out specifically. Uh, Catholic music for yeah. a very long time. Right. Um, but there are some, you know, there are some out there. Matt Marr um, is Catholic. He was, he, you know, was highly involved at a, a Catholic parish in, yep. I think, Arizona. Um, Life Teen, all of that. And some of his early stuff, and even some of his stuff now, it's very Catholic, very, very Catholic. Um, we've talked about the Vigil Project at, at, oh, yeah. at yep. length on the show. They are, they are phenomenal Mm -hmm. Um, and not only are they putting out catholic music but they're putting out catholic music that has to go with liturgical seasons Mm -hmm. uh, which is a phenomenal way they are um, one of those that they're they're artists but they're also ministers Mm -hmm. to to their very core yeah their whole purpose um, because i know the majority of people in that in that group Mm -hmm. um, is is to help people worship Mm -hmm. yeah you know, in a very Catholic way. Um, locally here, we have uh, Rita West, um, mm-hmm. who's a Catholic artist, and some of her stuff is, all of her stuff. Mm-hmm. Locally um, in Louisiana. Yeah, locally yeah. in Louisiana, sorry. Um, phenomenal. And so, you know, those are some that, you know, give you more of a, of a worship feel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you love Gregorian chant, you want to put that on, great. But some days I'm just like, I need some pep in my step. <laughs> yeah, and these are too. these are some of those those mm-hmm. artists that we can look to mm-hmm. um, to to kind of not f- not fill that need, but you know, yeah, give us that feel of, huh? Yeah, okay. One, one of my, of course, Jars of Clay probably is my all time favorite oh, no. group. Um, <laughs> they they broke through into the mainstream yeah. uh, in the '90s. I think that was the first Christian CD I ever owned. But one of the groups I like now um, is Burlap to Cashmere. They've uh, they've Ooh. they've gotten back together a couple of times over the years. Uh, there, I, I think one one is a Christian, one's an Orthodox, one is a Jewish guy, hmm. and then somebody. So they're really kind of eclectic. There's only one song that I think might be slightly anti-Catholic, but mm-hmm. yeah. but for the most part, ninety uh, percent of the music is is really about kind of searching for the Lord and finding Him. And they they definitely have this um, this kind of 
I don't know. There, there's like little hints of Arabic. There's little hints mm. of, of kind of Jewish uh, cool. uh, uh, psalmody, kind of klezmery kind of music. Oh, yeah. And mm. then, of course, it's kind of folky, too, and acoustic. So that's one of my yeah. favorite groups. Well, I've also um, encountered some Christian groups that have, like, for I have one, for example, uh, Gunger. Oh, was yeah. a group that mm-hmm. came to a big youth conference here in Louisiana. And they were, they were very Christian. And they witnessed the liturgy yeah. because we, mm. we do we do candlelit adoration and mass and the liturgy and the hours the liturgy the hours it's it's you know at a seminary mm-hmm. and um i that I, blog is gone now really but they blogged uh, right afterwards they blogged right after oh, wow. and about like their and experience like, and it was like yeah wow. and you could tell like they were they were god smacked for sure god that's so cool they were smacked they were by led the lord into worship yeah. they were led deep into worship yeah for yeah. sure well we could we could uh, go deeper into worship but i suppose we should take a moment uh, the the rotating segment today is called patron saint bingo and so for our patron Saint Bingo this week is uh, Pope Saint Gregory the Great. Excellent. Now we talked a little bit about him, and even though there's a little bit of a dispute as to what how responsible he was for what we call Gregorian chant, uh-huh. it still stands to reason that he is known for his reform of the liturgy. Yeah. And so yeah. so the Gregor- the Gregorian reforms uh, were, were Pope Gregory. So this would have been. Um, between 540 and the year 604. So if you think about it, within the first 500 years of the church already, she is in need of reform because the church in every age is always in need of reform. I'll say it again. The church in every age is always in need of reform. And so you have folks like Pope St. Gregory. Now, Gregory was a prefect of Rome Mm -hmm. as a young man before he was even 30. And so he founded monasteries on his estate. He became a Benedictine monk in his own home uh, there in Rome. Uh, he became a priest. He became one of the seven deacons of the Pope. So in those days, the Pope would assign seven deacons for the regions of Rome, and they would kind of be in charge of, um, of ministering to the poor, etc. in those parts of Rome. He was elected as the papal representative to Constantinople. I mean, all these things. And then, of course, he was elected uh, as, as, um, as the Pope um, at the age of 50, a fairly young man. But one of the things that he noted in addition to being very concerned about uh, the conversion of England, this is mm-hmm. in the 500s, you know, he was very concerned about the mass, very concerned about the liturgy and the things that were falling into disuse, like the Psalms. And so he brought about these great reforms. He also uh, issued pastoral care directives. I mean, we, we, we have this in our own dioceses mm-hmm. now, um, but he was talking about the, the qualities and the duties of who should be a bishop, um, he, uh, he was skilled at his preaching. He was called mm-hmm. the great, uh, because he was one of the great listeners of the church in, in, in his own time. And he was one of the great people who could apply that. Yeah. It's not an easy job. Mm-hmm. And yet to be able to be led by the Holy Spirit saying, you know, this might, this might cause me some knocks to my reputation, but it is for the good of the church. Uh, those are, those are the saints in, the, in this generation that we need as well. You know, we need Gregory's the Great mm-hmm. uh, to, to look and give an honest look at uh, our worship, to give an honest look at Catholic life, to give an honest look at, at Christianity, even in our own country, and to say, what is it about this that is in need of reform? Mm-hmm. Not what is this, what is it about this that is, that is based and debased and debauched and all that. I mean, we can, we can get bogged down in all that. But what about, what about our experience of, of, of worship, of prayer, um, of taking Christ into our home life? What about this needs to be redirected and reoriented towards Christ and his church? 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and a lay person can do that. You know, you don't have to be the Pope. Yeah. Yeah. That can be a mom and a dad. That can be a teacher. That mm-hmm. can be a principal of a school, right? Or a pastor of a parish. Mm-hmm. I think the assumption there is never assume that you're always doing it right. Or like never assume that like I'm always on the right track just because I always have been or I think that I have been right. Always be willing to like in humility, submit myself back to the church and say, okay, is there something I can do better? Right. Is there a way that I can be more like Christ? Because that ultimately is is our our goal here on earth. Right. To become we're made in the image of God. Our task is to be more in the likeness. Yeah. Not to make things more like ourselves. Yeah. Because. Yeah. But, but to to even but to allow ourselves to be remade more and more into God's image, yeah. and there are things that that can have that aim, and there are things that just kind of they like boomerang back towards us. Yeah, and that's I mean that's what we fight in every age. Even in Pope Saint Gregory's time, he was fighting against the spirit of the world. Why? Because yeah. we must in every age battle the flesh, our own inclinations that are not always properly ordered the world right this mm-hmm. fallen spirit of the world that seeks only to to consume itself and us and then of course the devil himself uh, we have to fight against uh, the powers of evil uh, and satan the the prince of darkness who wants to keep us in the dark yeah but as john chapter 3 reminds us huh the that even though we sometimes prefer the darkness to the light if we look to christ and we believe in him then he is the one who has the potential to save us by bringing him in, by bringing us into his light. Yeah. And then we reflect his light and we don't just try to hide in the corner and right. be about our own darkness. You know, that's really what all this is about. And that's why sacred music is so important is because true sacred music leads us from light to light huh? and leads us out of ourselves and to the one who is light from light. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, hopefully that's been helpful for you as we make our way through Um, this show that we call the Catholic Underground. We're always oh so grateful for those of you who join us uh, day in and day in, day in and day out, week in and and week out. And back in again. (laughs) There and back again, yeah. The Catholic Underground is made possible by viewers, by listeners, by prayer warriors, and by benefactors like you. You can become an official undergrounder today, Jeff Blackwell, by doing that very simple thing, by going to Catholic Underground dot com yeah slash donate <laughs> that's exactly right and if you happen to have a platform on which you listen to us that has the ability for you to give us a thumbs up or whatever yeah uh, then please do that and encourage others to subscribe or i believe follow is the way that you can do it on itunes podcasts now there you go yeah so so leave us a, a comment yeah. uh, let us know how Say we're something doing nice about kathleen that's Aww. Aww. Enough of that. yeah i am a exactly. words of affirmation person <laughs> she she does receive <laughs> those go. words well mm-hmm. all right our panelists have been the wonderful kathleen lee thanks that's right. The unrepeatable Olivia Galino. Well, now you're just sucking up. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the chief space cadet Jeff Blackwell. Always a privilege, Father. And then Ed Ball, of course, is running the video this week. Jim Hayes is our research assistant with his crew in the lab. And you know me. I'm Father Chris Decker. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter, although I haven't really been this Lent. At uh, Digital Catholic is my handle. You've been listening to the Catholic Underground. We are cutting through the noise so that you can find that still small voice, especially this Lent. We hope to see you next time. See you next time.
from the Catholic underground.